What's up, what's up, y'all? This is Dave. And this is Devin. And you're listening to the Dave and Dev Podcast. Dave and Dev. Gotta keep it real like Dave and Dev. On my job like Dave and Dev. Tell no lie like Dave and Dev. Some days I wanna stay in bed. But I get ready for the day ahead. I wanna complain, but I pray instead. Then I'm on my way to the Dave and Dev. And it go like, I don't need a crew. Don't play by he say, she say rules. Don't play, no, we can't do. I'd rather have faith while G-O-D make moves. No, please stay cool. All, all I do is speak the truth on things I see they do. I'ma center myself. No lie, I need grace too. We lit like EKU. Yeah. Yo, what's up, Devrin? Yo, what's going on, Dave? Shoot, man. Not a whole lot. It's good to be back on the pod with you, bro. It's been a minute. It's been too long. We got to stop doing this. <laughs> I think we say that every time. But, man, life just be busy, bro. <laughs> I don't know if we announced it. We, we haven't had, I don't know if we've made an announcement since, but uh, for everybody who doesn't know, Dave and Sheena, his wife, are adding on to their family. That's that's true. That's correct. And I think one of the, yeah. Thank you, thank you. And I think one of the last episodes we did was when we t- like kind of announced that you guys are having a baby too. So yeah, Dave and Dev, fathers at the same time. For the well, Dev for the first time. I know number number three for your boy. Be the big yeah. three up in the care household. About uh, a three peat man. You got three now. Yeah, man. I it, it feels wild. Like it doesn't feel real quite yet but uh, you know i'm excited to have another little guy and uh, i know mike is you know looking forward to being big brother elena dude she's she is all about being big sister running the running the roost here helping out so she's so excited man she's been practicing with all the little babies at church and she's <laughs> she's ready that's amazing man that's amazing so let's get into it a little bit since we last talked, the NBA playoffs have happened. I mean, pretty they, much they, they have happened. <laughs> it's just kind of crazy. Um, life is crazy that uh, what's going on, but uh, we are now in the finals. Yep, game two and just happened. Golden State and the Celtics that are that are playing against Boston Celtics that are playing against each other. And Dave, let me tell you something. Something has happened to me over the last couple of years. Where I used to be the biggest Golden State Warriors hater in the world. This is true. And we now, got receipts to prove it. Yeah. And now I find myself rooting for them. Bro, same. same. It's kind of crazy how that all worked out. And I mean, and look, if anybody listens to um, you know, the overtime podcast that I do um for for you know for school and stuff, they know I interviewed somebody, one of my good friends, Evan Pierce, shout out to Evan, um, who is he he works for the Boston Celtics. And yep. I, I don't want to ever go against the home team, but, I mean, I love Jason Tatum's game, but that's about all I love. And oh, I love um, Ime Udoka, the coach. Mm. That's about all I love about the Boston Celtics. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Right there. I mean, even Jalen Brown uh, at, at times, but his game is like – kind of awkward to me a little bit but yeah like, it is a little awkward he goes off and some days he's like he's just like he has a tendency like, to just disappear too yeah 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 and so 
and I mean, and something about Marcus Smart is I just can't get behind. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. He's like, he's like the new Draymond. He really like, is. <laughs> and like with Draymond, I used to dog Draymond, and now I'm like, yeah, Draymond, that's good defense, bro. And get him. <laughs> it is so crazy. Like I feel like this is like the process of sanctification happening. Like my heart and heart towards the Warriors is gone. <laughs> bro, I feel that completely. Like I was. I couldn't believe it. I found myself like defending them the other day, like, yo, the series is going five, you know, maybe six. But like that's crazy. Steph is really that dude. And he's got my respect. And like we've gotten to the point now. maybe maybe this is like social media. And you tell me what you think about this. But like if Steph loses, I feel like we're not gonna hear the end of it from haters. And I, I just don't want to deal with that. Yeah. And so, I agree. so I, I'm more so like, okay, Jason Tatum can get his eventually, but right now we need Steph to go ahead and just get another one. Right. No, I totally agree. He's man. It's unreal. And and you just got to like, I don't know. I think what uh, one thing that's made me like the Warriors more over the last couple of years, especially is seeing kind of them have set, but setbacks. Yeah. And like them be on the other side of that, like seeing clay, you know, having to fight back and figure out his role, and I mean, because he last... has—I mean, he—he's been garbage. Yeah, but he, he, he's played not great. From, yeah, it's, it's hard to come back from that stuff. It really is, but like he's had flashes. Like you know, he's <laughs> last night or Sunday night or something. They asked him, like, you know, how are you going to break the slump you've been in? He said, "I'll go, you know, YouTube highlights of Game Six Clay." <laughs> and like in a way it's just like you respect it because you're just like man like they've been doing this like you you know it, he hasn't played well but it's just like that team is built well and coached well and like i don't know one of the one of the cool things that we get now and seeing the playoffs is like it's it's very rare in our lifetime that we get a playoff without lebron yeah but we get LeBron like live tweeting these games. <laughs> now, <laughs> that is I think true. That's, like another like really interesting thing about like what happens. It, it, here's the craziest part about it. Like I hated the Warriors when Riley Curry was like little. She's like two <laughs> years old. And now she's like a eighth grader. <laughs> yeah, now she's like a full blown like she's almost like she's gotta be in like high school now. Like she looks like she's older now. And it's right. like, oh my gosh, when did she get so old? It's like almost like a like a reminder to myself, like, dude, like you've been watching basketball for a long time, dude. <laughs> you don't see this little girl grow up. I know. I, I mean, I couldn't stand her. I couldn't stand the whole family. And now I'm just like, Curry's man, y'all all right with me, bro? You remember when he threw his mouthpiece in Cleveland? Oh, uh, so mad. <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure that I've ever seen you more mad. Like I really. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, something got into I. I used to I couldn't stand this dude, but that's a, a little bit of that too, Dave. Is that they were the only team standing in the way of Cleveland getting a chance? That's facts. That's facts. And so like, if you had waited, I mean, my whole life, it's been. I mean, it's been Cleveland didn't get a championship since the '60s, right? So, really, since before my parents were born, right? Right. We hadn't got a championship since then, and you like this is the one team that's standing in between you and a championship. You you gonna have a problem with them? Oh, so for it's, sure. It's like if the Bengals make it to the Super Bowl again and lose to the to the Rams, you're gonna start oh, yeah. to develop like, like a hatred. Hate. 
Exactly. Like, now yeah. it's just like, you know, it is what it is. Like, okay, you know, we just lost the game. But, like, you lose two times. Like, okay, I got a problem. Are you? Let's say you lose away, like, like if your best player got – or, like, your second best player. So, that would be, like, um, Jamar Chase, right? Yeah. For, so, like, let's say, you know, God forbid, he got injured in that Super Bowl. And and you and they lost it by like a field goal. You would feel some type of way, like oh, we were oh for sure, yeah, yeah. And so the next year you get back, and all of a sudden you know you're down twenty eight to three, like the you know like the Falcons. The Falcons. <laughs> like you 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 you're down twenty to three in the next in the next Super Bowl. Like you're gonna start to feel some type of way about the Rams. Right, right. And so like that's what that kind of was for me. Down three one, I was so mad. I'm like, yo, this is a cheat code. <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah. and, and like, this was before Kevin Durant came over too. Yeah, the year before. Yeah, I mean they're just just a team that just super lights out, and I, I don't know, it's just so different at the time too. Because you got, I mean, Dave, we we are from the M one mixtape era. Oh, okay? for sure. So for those of you who do not know the M one mixtape era, like first of all, you're probably either no, you're probably too young to listen to this podcast, right? So just you need to you need to press pause in this podcast right now. Go to YouTube, search and one mixtape, and search people like Professor and Hot, hot sauce. sauce and Hot Sauce and skip to Malu. Right? Escalade, Escalade. All if those names don't mean anything, if they don't mean anything to you, you need to press pause and look up their highlights on YouTube. All right, facts and just, and just facts. watch the generation that we came from. Okay, and then to see Steph Curry just shooting threes. It was something so foreign. Right. <laughs> like we forgot the three point line was there for a while. <laughs> and he just he changed he changed the game a ton. Right. I've said this on the podcast before, Dave. I think that Steph Curry, at the end of the day, Steph Curry's had more impact on basketball than LeBron James has. I think that's probably fair. And I mean, just because of every everyone is like just the way we look at basketball is so different. We start everyone's shooting threes now. Mm-hmm. And like LeBron was a was I mean and it still is an athletic freak, but we've never, but we've never seen anybody shoot the ball like this. Not at this rate. No, no. I mean, at one point, I remember having arguments with people like, "Is Steph Curry the greatest shooter of all time?" Like, or is it like Reggie Miller or Ray Allen or something like that? Like, no, like it's not even close. It's not even. A, it, I mean, we're not even in the same ballpark now. I mean, yeah. he just—it's flat out him. It just, which is wild. So that's been so. I'll just say I have enjoyed this uh, this NBA final so far. It's it's one one right now, and I mean, so what's your prediction for the rest of it? Well, first of all, before I give my prediction, let right. me just say my biggest beef with the last two rounds of the playoffs have been. Is it feels like out of seven games, like let's just let's not even talk about just seven game series, but like I feel like every seven games is like six blowouts and one close game, and it has been kind of frustrating. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. I like, mean, what, what do you what do you what what do you want? Like, I mean, it's it's I hard just, because you get. I mean, I know you want close games. I, I just want battles to the end. <laughs> but it's almost it's it's kind of weird now because there's there's no obvious person or obvious team that's going to win the NBA. That's true. Anymore. No, you're right. So it makes things a little a little different. 
to and I think just with like the evolution of like the fact that there's such a high volume of three pointer shot is that like you're gonna have games like that and I get it like it's just like the first round of this playoffs was so exciting like you're talking like the I wouldn't say the opposite like I wouldn't say it was six out of seven but I would say four to five out of seven games was close but again that also comes with the fact that you have teams in there that you know, probably shouldn't have been competing with other teams. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, people that were injured, you know, on the Nuggets, things like that. Like, so I get it to an extent, but. So this, so there's an underlying story about this. I I know we got to get your predictions in a second. An underlying story about this is that, have you noticed that, like, foreign-born players or European players have been dominating the NBA lately? Bro, been been on a roll. Look at Luca, man. It's unreal. Joe Gitch. Four MVPs have gone to someone not American. That's crazy to think about. Yeah, that's that's never happened before. No, it's unreal. I have not really like put two and two together like that. Yeah, and that's pretty that's pretty pretty absurd. Yeah, that's that's insane. Especially when you consider that they're not like they're still a super minority in the league. It's wild too, because I remember thinking that like Oh man, these European players, maybe they're like softer. They no, right, right. They're tough. 100%. So, okay, predictions. Here we go. What's your prediction? Predictions. I still got Warriors in six. Like, I I don't think that goes seven. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I think it goes six. I think we get two more blowout wins from the Warriors, a close game. And I think a Boston, one more Boston win somewhere sprinkled in there. It really should be two nothing Golden State right now. If it wasn't for one of the biggest collapses I've seen, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> but okay, yeah, I, I'll agree with you. I'll say Warriors in six. It's not going to go seven. No, I don't think it goes seven. I would be super shocked if if it goes seven. It's a conspiracy theory. And with, <laughs> with Gary Payton, goes... with Gary Payton the second coming back, it That's... makes. A huge difference. It really does. Like what he does defensively. Bro, speaking of Gary Payton a second, him and Poole, bro, their play in this playoffs has been unreal. (laughs) Yeah, Jordan Poole kind of came out of nowhere. He really did. But he's he's played outstanding, man. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing with they just they do so well in the draft and get they do good free agents. They still got Wiseman. <laughs> like I know he's not. Oh I mean, shoot! Yeah, I forgot. I I forgot all about him, dude. He's a stud. Is he? Is he really? I mean, he's pretty good. I wouldn't say he's a stud. That was probably overreaction. <laughs> <laughs> he should be a good contributor, but we'll see next year. I mean, yeah, we'll see when, when he's come back healthy. I mean, the Warriors are notorious for you know you getting a small injury and being out for the whole year. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, we'll see next year when he comes back. For sure. All right, so topic of the day. Let's get it. We kind of alluded to this first at the beginning, at the top of the show, that you are expecting a son. Yep. And I am expecting a son. Mm. And it's like a unique place to be in because I think with, like, there's something, I mean, something about raising kids, but another thing about a father raising a son. Mm. And I, I just, I, we 
like we were talking about this before the show, like what topics do we want to discuss? And shout out to everybody who gave us suggestions on what to discuss. Yeah, absolutely. Like I feel like this is a really cool and unique time that we can capitalize on because like you have two kids. I'm about to have my first. Like you I mean you're about to have your third, right? So you've kind of you've kind of been in the game for a little bit. Yeah, I'm out of my rookie contract, I think, on, on yeah. dad life. So let me ask you this. What like just think back to like when you were first about to have Elena, your first child. How, how when you first found out that your wife was pregnant, how did you feel? Bro, shocked, elated, uh, scared, for sure. I think that if you were to be a, a fly on the wall, um, as I was praying <laughs> leading up to her birth, was just like, man, like how in the world am I going to like ensure that I have, you know, positive impact on my daughter's life? How am I going to, you know... How was how my heart going to expand to love her and, you know, show her how I love Sheena and, you know, those sorts of things that, you know, those were the types of prayers that I was like, God, help me figure this out, please. <laughs> this is uh, it was just so it was just such a foreign feeling to me, you know, to know that, you know, my life was uh, obviously I'd spent the previous, you know, five years or so you know, caring for and protecting my wife and, and you know, and loving her. Um, but adding, you know, our, our child into the mix was just such a, a foreign feeling. And, uh, but man, one, I was just so ready to, to take on the challenge of, you know, but yeah, so, uh, you know, for me, it was just like <sighs> going, you know, that first, first go round was just, I didn't know what to expect. Thankfully, there was people in, ahead of me, you know, <laughs> at the time yeah. we went to church with like 27 people that were pregnant or had babies <laughs> that were in, in like that last year. It was like in the water. Yeah. And so I had a lot of really good counsel and uh, community. So it was it was encouraging for sure. Yeah, I think. So one thing that I've, I've, I've uh, constantly told people is that. I don't know how someone goes through pregnancy and not see the gospel. Mm. Whereas like, okay, so think about this. Um, when Aylin first told me that she was pregnant, and for those of you who know me or you follow me on any kind of social media, you can see the videos online like of my reaction. Mm. <laughs> Completely shocked, right? But then there's also like, but then there becomes this like, almost like anticipation and a little bit of like anxiousness mm-hmm. of what's to come. Like it just a big anticipation of what's to come. And we're, we're now at the point where Aglin's in her third trimester now and we're starting to be able to feel the baby kick more frequently. Right. And, but like, I remember when, the baby first started kicking in the second trimester like she could feel him but i couldn't right and i wanted to do whatever i could to feel him i just wanted to hear from him before so like i imagine 
you know, like in, in the same sense in the gospel, or just looking at our relationship with God, how much God wants to hear from us in our prayers. Mm. And so I just kind of just reminded of that every time I feel kicking, it's just like, that's a reminder. I need to, you know, I need to praise God for this, you know? Mm. And then when I hear people and we haven't, you know, our son's not born yet, but when he, when he is born, everyone just talks about that, like big breath of release, just of like that excitement, you know, yeah. and just that like kind of just jubilee of that the child is here. And that's kind of like in that moment, those feelings, like I, I, I would imagine that is what happens. Like that, that's what's going to feel like when you get to be with Jesus again, mm. is that you get to, that's just like a little glimpse of it. Not saying, not idolizing a child or anything like that. No, don't come for me like that. I'm just saying <laughs> like, like just having that as much that joy of holding that child it's just like a it's like a big release that like wow all this anticipation and it's here all that led up to this yeah and right. go ahead and i would tack on to that too because not only the a picture of the gospel and 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 being with jesus but for me the insanity in the, in the intricacies that is our creator like I was through all the pregnancies, I've been just super like I nerd out over all the little stuff that like she knows tell me is going on with the baby and how her body is working and, you know, how in birth, the, the way that the body changes and, and, you know, adapts prior to fully giving birth. Right. Like, it's just like, it's mind blowing. Like there's no way that you can't, see like really be in tune with the full scope of pregnancy and birth like without just being like there's no way this just accidentally happened right like there, like there's just no way that um you know there wasn't just like the most intelligent um beyond words uh creator god that like, there's just no way that he didn't do that yeah so now let's talk about having a son so you mm. already got one yep right? and so right off the rip how is that different from your daughter mm. how is micah different than e yeah yeah that's that's a good question and and you know I, I will say that there's not like a difference in how i love them of course mm -hmm. but how i operate with them is definitely different uh, for Elena, uh, well, one, I, you're going to notice this too, I'm sure. But like first child, like they get all your attention. They tend to do things quicker, right? So they tend to speak quicker, walk quicker, uh, all those things because they're kind of getting that like one-on-one -on -one time, two-on-one -on -one time, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so with her, I felt like very intentional about, you know, helping educate her and like now that she's getting older you know she's almost six now uh you know a lot of my time with her is spent you know just like loving and encouraging her and telling her like you know how important it is the way that 
you know, she can be like her mom, you know, and, and that, you know, Sheena is such a, a strong, uh, you know, Christian mom and, and wife. And uh, I try to show her, like, look, like, here's how I love mommy. Like, here's how I, you know, try to make sure that she knows I love her. This is why it's so important that I lead her this way. And, and, you know, I'm already able to start sharing that with her and with Micah, things are a little bit different, right? You know, he's wild <laughs> first of all, but, but second, like, that's my little man. I love that dude. He's, he's crazy. But second, I feel the weight of being in like everything I do, he's watching. Um, and not that it wasn't that way with Elena, but especially with him, because we're, we have the same makeup right you know like mm-hmm. like i would say sheena probably felt that pressure with elena right just you know mom to daughter and and now father to son i feel the weight of that and i see my sin in him more than i see my sin in elena um just because i see him copying me and i see him um you know having issues with self-control right like i would say you know i say a joke that he's wild but like that's what it boils down to is self-control and um i see how my self-control looks different than his right and so for me our conversations the way i discipline him the way i disciple him is it's so different because i want him to model the best parts of me that the lord has like orchestrated in me Right. <laughs> like, I don't want him to model, you know, poor behavior. And um, I know that I have the greatest influence on him in that way. And I, I just have seen the importance of fatherhood. So, you know, played out so frequently in front of me. And um, I just I feel a lot of pressure in that. But like the Lord has been so gracious to to really give me a lot of freedom. To, to not feel that way because like I'm just trying to pursue him you know and I'm just trying to uh, navigate being a good husband and being a good dad and I feel like the the Lord is gracious to show me when you know I fall short and also to be able to help be vulnerable to a point with with my kids but especially with Micah um, you know and, and again he's finally at an age where I feel like I can I can talk to him in a way that's he understands. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's, it's, it's wild. And I, I want, and now that he's about to be a big brother, you know, he's going to, he's going to play a big role in, in, in Josiah's life, uh, which is the name of our, our third child. I can't remember if we talked about that at the beginning or not, but, um, you know, Surprise. He's, <laughs> uh, so he's going to play a big role in Josiah's life. Like he's going to be a big role model for him. And so now it's about, continuing to show him how to do you know what it looks like to be a man what it looks like to be a brother to a sister and a brother and um yeah that it's it's unique man that's for sure well i think that for me is like the big thing right there it's like what it means to be a man in this world Mm. and because there's so many there's so many things like like that society puts on men that negative connotations positive things that happen but like like if if you were just you know just do a random survey on 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 social media a lot of people don't really think favorably of 
guys right now. And just because you really haven't done a good job, we really haven't done a good job handling the responsibilities that we're supposed to be doing lately. Right. And teaching, like teaching my son in a way that he's not contributing to that, to, to those issues. Mm. Um, and, and obviously that means teaching him in a, in a biblical scope. And what does that look like? You know, it's, which is, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. Like, I mean, I, I think one of the things that I'm most looking forward to right now and, you know, today, this is, we're recording this on June 7th is uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to like seeing, like actually seeing him and holding him. Right. And that's what I'm actually, I'm actually looking forward to, um, to, to seeing, to, to doing that for the first, for the first time. And like that reflection of you, not, not only in like the physical way, but like, and like, like you said, like, who is he going to act more like? Like, mm. you know, they go, my tendencies, you know, her tendencies, whatever. But like, whatever it is, loving him, showing him what that love looks like, and then raising him up in a way that he's strong in his faith, but you know, and, and also is just a, a strong man that can walk in this world with humility and confidence. Right. That he knows who he is. That's what I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that, to that piece of it. So, like, it, I mean, it's kind of wild because, I mean, you really when you when this child was born, I remember holding Elena. She was a few hours old, right? And just thinking to myself, like, uh, like this is like a blank canvas. This person, she has her whole life in front of her. Mm. <laughs> Do whatever, be whoever, you know. Who knows what she's gonna be in twenty years from now? You know, she's got her whole life in front of her to do all these all these awesome things. I, I think that's another cool thing about fatherhood. But one thing I, I want another thing I want to touch on was when the child when you find out that your wife is pregnant, one thing that not a lot of people talk about is that nervousness that you mentioned earlier mm. is that um, my mind would be constantly racing, thinking about all the things that needed to be done. Like even like questioning, like, am I adequate enough to do this? You know, I don't think, and, and, and it's, it doesn't get talked about a lot. I remember like not sleeping for days just thinking about this stuff yeah and every, you know and then every once in a while you get a, a father someone's father you know they'll pull you over to the side and they're like bro how you doing like, mm. no, for real, like, how you how you really doing and i mean i think that's something that should get talked about a lot because and rightfully so everyone should celebrate you know the woman and the baby they're bringing life in this world that's do that celebrate that like that's like another whole side of things. So like, did you experience that when you first found out that Sheena was pregnant? Like you're talking about like the the influx of like fatherly advice and things like that. Or just like the the constantly thinking about oh what life going to be like. Absolutely, 
Absolutely. Like I, you know, I think alluded to, you know, a lot of my prayer was just like, God, how am I, like, I'm going to mess this up. Like you, you talked about that blank canvas and you're like, that is equally, it's equal parts encouraging and exciting and magnificent and equally terrifying that you could royally mess up that blank canvas. It's like you can put all the wrong paint on it. You can do all the wrong things with it, right? And, um, yeah, I definitely felt that. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a uh, finally so, like someone stopped me and said, "Hey, dude, everyone does this. You, you need to get sleep now because you're gonna wish you would have got to sleep when he gets here." <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. So on the flip side of all this stuff, and this is coming right off the top of the head because. You know, you you can be you're you're my witnesses, Dave. We didn't talk about questions, so I'm just I'm just I'm just interviewing you. Right Winging now. it, I love it. <laughs> but off the like on the flip side of things, how does having children most sanctify you? And Whoa, you what a great question! That's a fantastic question. Uh, well, one we talked earlier about pregnancy, uh, you know, pointing to God. Uh, pointing to the gospel, all that sort of stuff, you know, new, new parent life, all that stuff being really evident of, of God's witness, his example, his scriptures and, and what he did through all that. Right. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, like now (laughs) being a parent, especially of older kids, well, I say that, but Elena and Micah being, you know, nearly six and nearly four is the sanctification has become real, real, right? Because, you know, in the last year, I've transitioned out of a job, um, moved to another state, and, like, just figuring all that out, right? Like, just selfishly, like, when I just think about me, like, that's, that's some change, right? Yeah. But then, like, you're thinking, like, man, this is affecting my wife, this is affecting my kids, um, and with all that, you're navigating being in a new place and all that sort of stuff. But with even aside from locationally, but you're approaching new places that your kids haven't been yet either in terms of the things that they hear from other kids, um, their interactions with you, uh, the way that they are pushing the limits, right? Because kids, uh, they're fantastic, right? But they're little sinners. <laughs> like they, they, they're sinful, like people, and the way that they display that is in is pushing boundaries, right? And I have been so grateful uh, to have really good counsel, uh, specifically. Um, and again, you know, you mentioned it earlier, but like I'm probably going to get like roasted for this by somebody, but like. Uh, talking and helping me through how to discipline my kids well. And that has been the last probably five or six months have been some of the most sanctifying times in my entire life. Um, Just learning what it looks like to be consistent and to see my sin and my kids. Right. So, so one, that part makes me be like, God, I'm so sorry that I display this sin to you. 
that I see my kids constantly displaying to me, <laughs> right? But yeah. two, like showing them, like, like, look, like God did not create you to do this. He, you know, he, he loves you. He, he has given me the ability to, to tell you and show you what right looks like. And what you're doing is not in that mold, right? And so for me, that has been just such a sanctifying thing, being able to relay the gospel through discipline and discipling my children. And not that I'm like, I feel like somebody could hear that and be like, all this guy does is like, you know, yell at his kids or spank his kids. Like, no, it's like, it's just so much more than just that. Right. It's how we talk to them. And, um, you know, I remember right before we had our kids, I was around uh, this dad that I really looked up to. And, uh, he was a younger, younger dad. His kids were like, maybe like four and two or something like that. But the way he would speak to his kids, he would get on their level and, and he would, you know, request them to look at his face and not look away while he was talking, no matter what it was about. Hey, go pick up the, that laundry. Okay, well, I don't think you heard me. So, like, please look up at me. What did I ask you to do? Right. You know, that sort of thing and just the, the, the tone. And, like, I really didn't understand that until recently because, like, to be honest with you, the sin in me was, like, fly off the handle because (laughs) like I just want to be like yo you know better right yeah like what does God do he doesn't fly off the handle right that's crazy because I was about to say that like there's nothing that your children could do that could make you not love them anymore absolutely 100%. 100%. You could get frustrated with them. You could yeah. be disappointed with them, but that love for them is different. And it's such a picture of God's love, man. And it, it, it fleshes itself out really imperfectly through us, right? But yeah. we get to see that. And, and that reminder of, of who God is, it is so sanctifying. And so um, it's so humbling and uh, it, it's it's really wild to think that God gives us and tasks us with this responsibility um, because one we're we're inadequate right but mm-hmm. two you know He uses it to really show Himself to me at least and uh, I think that you know a lot of other other dads and moms alike would agree with that uh, that the way in which that He just reveals Himself through our parenting failures and triumphs and. Uh, yeah, man, it's 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 beautiful. So on the topic of parenting triumphs, one of the things that I really like that you talked to me about off air, you and your wife actually talked to me about off air, was sort of seeing your family as a team. Mm. And now that we're like in this podcast space, let's get it for the record. Let's talk about that a little bit. Like, what did you mean by seeing your family as a team and how has that helped you? be in parenting success yeah for sure well first of all we can't take credit for that uh shout out to jefferson bethke uh wrote a fantastic book last year um about parenting maybe it came out the year before i'm not sure but i read it last year get him on uh, the pod man right that would be glorious um but no joke Devon, you know this i am not a reader um i have to be very diligent to read anything um i read that book in two days and I was just blown away. Uh, he talked about the family unit being a team and how 
like we're called to as as husbands and 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 dads to lead our team well and to not just like and you know we're sports guys right like we see things from that perspective because that's what we grew up in that's what we spend our time in right but he talked like you know as a team do you go into a game with no plan like your coaches doesn't show up hand you equipment you know, you, you know, first hey, game of the hey, season. You'd be, hey, you'd be surprised. Not to <laughs> right but like you, you wouldn't show up like, you know, the, the Bengals, they started practice like two weeks ago for rookies. Right. Like mm-hmm. imagine they show up week one to play whoever they're playing. And, and none of these guys have ever put on pads before. Like that's a recipe for disaster. Well, what he's talking, what he talked about in the book was like, Parenting is the same way. If you don't have a plan for how you're going to attack each day, each situation, each sin, each each thing that you want to do as a family, if you don't have a plan for that, like you are going to lose the game. And like until you figure out a plan, like you're 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 digging yourself in a hole. You're not practicing, right? Um, and so just seeing the family as a team and not like and to really just simplify it down to, to sports, like I said, but, you know, you can think about it, you know, from a business perspective, if that's the space that you're familiar with, like, because teams are really important in business world, like all these things you can think about, but like pr- there's preparation, there's practice, there's, there's hills and valleys, right? There's taking a hit as a team, taking a loss for a day, but coming back and thinking about how you can, how you can get a win the next day. And what is a win? What is a loss, right? Like those are things that that coaches define, right? So you all you've had those dis- like intentional discussions, absolutely. So so intentional discussions, intentional time, setting aside time where we don't have our phones, where we are undistracted, um, you know, th- those sorts of things, just like little actions that really have built and built and built. And to be honest with you, that book really shifted our mindset for how we were going to be as a family right because to be honest with you before that that kind of book and a couple different uh sermons at church and some different things like that that we had been hearing uh we were like dude we're done like we're done having kids we don't want any more we're happy with the way our family is but like through the course of a couple weeks we were just like kept hearing these things about like you know, that's okay if we're done, but like, what's our reasoning behind it? Because like we could have a team that has such impact on the gospel and not for our own glory, not for our own, you know, namesake, but like, like, are we really done producing like world changers? Are we done doing that? Um, and, and that just struck us. And uh, the Lord was so gracious to really use that that book and use, like I said, some sermons at church and some friends and people that you know were around us. Like, like you guys could, you know, just continue to to bless the world uh, with with kids that that love Jesus and and pursue people. And um, man, God was so gracious in that. And to see our family unit as a team and to understand that team Carol under the umbrella of like team God is like such a crucial cog in the machine. Right. And that we can have that impact on our kids 
And the second, and that was a really long one-parter, but the <laughs> second part is that the other thing that I really learned from that book and that really plays into the team aspect, it was talking about how in uh, traditional culture, like Spanish culture, uh, Jewish culture, um, different, different places that uh, have a higher view of family, mm-hmm. they... <laughs> they know their family because they spend time with their family and it doesn't stop when they're 18. It doesn't stop when they get out of the house. And so, uh, you know, obviously we don't live down the street from either of our, our parents. Right. But what we can do is we can talk to our kids about the importance of their family and how family shows you where you are and how important it is. in when you look at the scope of, our faith, right? How do we come to this point, right? We have faithful parents and we had parents that messed up. <laughs> and the thing that struck a nerve with me was that he was like, if you imagine going back, you know, a thousand years ago or 1200 years ago to a 12 year old in Jerusalem, they would have known back probably 20 generations of their ancestors. And he said, go and talk to a 12 year old at your local middle school. They might maybe know who their great, great grandfather is. Maybe. Yeah. That's three generations. Right. And so he was talking about, he was like, obviously that's not the goal, right? Like I don't want my kids just to know like their family history to know it, but like to understand where they came from, because, um, that's important. It helps you. It's helped shape the way you think about where you are and where you want to go by knowing what you've come from and spending time with people. And uh, he, he mentioned this story. Sorry, this is my last tangent about this book, uh, but he mentioned this story about how he went and spent some time in Israel and they went down to this dinner and it was at this, this restaurant and it wasn't like a restaurant that we would see, right? Like you go into your local, I don't know, Drake's or Outback or whatever, and you've got 50 tables, you know, a handful of tables have maybe six seats, but most of the tables are four seats or two seats, right? Mm-hmm. But he said this restaurant had two long tables, long. He said they were just massive and there was like 60 people at each table on you know both sides and he was just talking about how the community gathered right and and most of them were family but not all of them but they gathered here once a week intentionally to share a meal to sing a song together and it wasn't like a church setting this was like an extracurricular type thing it reminded me of like small group in a way but bigger right we we gather and we have a meal and we just like are together and our kids are together. And, you know, it it just like really struck me. Like we don't do a good job at that. Like we, like we isolate ourselves in booths. Right. Um, And I'm not sitting here saying go to your, you know, nearest restaurant and put all the tables together and encourage everybody to sit at the same table. But like, how, how could we model that? And having a family that's connected together as your immediate team, but also bringing people into that team, right? 
as as extensions of that, right? Grandparents, aunts, uncles, uh, other family units that are nearby. You know, think about the the family that's closest to you at church or whatever. Like they're an extension of that team, right? And so, anyway, long, long tangent. Please go read the book. I will put it in the comments uh, on the podcast. I, I'm not getting paid for this. This is no endorsement of Jefferson Bethke and everything he's ever said. Like, like don't see it as that. Like, I'm just saying, like, the, the book was really instrumental for me um, in, in a lot of ways. All right. Wrapping up. This is off the cuff, too. So you got to – I mean, just this is rapid fire. I'm here for it. If there is a draft of best TV or movie day, who's your first pick? Oh, shoot. Ever? Ever. Oh, my goodness. I'm failing at this rapid fire because I am not having a quick answer. Okay. This is – man, this might surprise some folks. So – I'll say that before I, I finish it. One of my favorite TV dads, and this might be recency bias, but Phil Dunphy, Modern Family. Let me tell That's you why. That's a solid pick. That's a solid pick. And well, one, we're in the midst of almost finishing it. But two, I just think to like all the dads that like do a really good job at like really supporting their kids and loving them differently and uniquely and being like he's just a good dad um i don't know it's, it's recency i oh, man i'd have to think really deeply about that what, what would you say who would you say i gotta go with the og philip uncle phil banks Ooh, yeah for sure classic that's a great choice come on man yeah uncle phil rest in peace uncle phil for real for real that's Man, it's good enough. It's good enough for me. That's facts. Now, that's a that's a that's a really good good pick right there. Like I said, my brain was like not thinking back past the last year of TV that it's I've watched. Fire, <laughs> so, you know, that's what has to happen on rapid fire. Yeah, but no, that's a I, Uncle Phil's such a classic TV dad. I'm talking about Fresh Prince of Bel Air, not this new, not the new nah, movie. not this, nah, nah. Yeah, nah, the nah, jury's nah. still out on him, but right yeah. now. We talking about old school James 90s. Avery, yeah, That's legend, big dog. Well, Dave, thanks for the thanks for the talk. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to those uh, late night phone calls when when the the, the kid is up. <laughs> yeah, or we're both on daddy duty late night. <laughs> I'll be looking forward to that. Uh, I'm gonna have to get me a PlayStation so we can. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it, man. Um, I was always good talking to you, especially about family matters. And this is timely episode, particularly with the, with the Father's Day right around the corner. Yeah, man, for sure. Well, I'm looking forward to, to watching to you dad. be a dad too, man. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. So, yeah. All right, man. My right, brother. Until next time. All right, peace. Peace.